0: Overtime your host, Coach Danielle If You can follow her work on
1: Twitter at
0: Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Welcome to 60-Minute Overtime Fall 2017, Episode 5. Today is December 3rd, 2017, and I'm your hostess, Danielle McCarton. Today we're going to have two live call-ins. at 11.15 from Yes Network broadcaster and former New York Yankees catcher John Flaherty. 11.45 is going to feature Chris Wynn radio host on ESPN Radio Las Vegas and on Fox Sports 1340 out there in Vegas. I'm going to have a one-on-one interview my one-on-one interview with uh, special guest Sterling Shepard, New York Giants wide receiver. In the meantime, you can follow my work prosportsrundown.com, Twitter at Coach McCartan, YouTube search Coach Space McCartan SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan, and on demand, a YouTube, uh, iTunes podcast, Coach McCartan, in Radio, type in 60-minute overtime, and play.google.com. You're going to search Coach McCartan on video simulcast right now on Periscope, on Facebook, and newly on YouTube. We got a big show. The New York Yankees have selected their next manager. Also, my thoughts on that, pros and cons. Uh John Flaherty weighs in on that as well, and he was also rumored to be uh, a manager, too, one of the candidates for manager, so we'll hear from him. Eli Manning debacle. This is my first opportunity to actually come on the record and talk about that. Uh, and quotes from Mara and McAdoo within that are, are really abominable. Ma- uh, ben McAdoo will not, my in my opinion, be on the plane home from Oakland tonight. I think he's going to get fired after his game tonight. I'll explain why. Then I have a New York Jets at Oakland Raiders preview, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. And that is with Chris Wynn on a, in a live phone call. Then I'll talk briefly about player ejections. That LeBron was ejected for the first time in his career and a little bit of ref intimidation. Hashtag ref lives matter. Some Kansas City Chiefs keys to the game. Some New York Jets keys to the game. A little bit about Princeton women's basketball. And finally, my one-on-one with New York Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard.
2: Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.
0: so the white smoke is billowing out of the chimney at the cathedral in the bronx new york the yankees have selected a manager there were six final candidates six uh Interviewees: The top three were Aaron Boone, ESPN analyst and former Yankee. He interviewed on November 17, 2017. Hensley, Hensley Mullins, number two. He was another top three finalist. Giants bench coach and former Yankee. He interviewed on November 16, 2017. And Carlos Beltran, he retired this year after winning the World Series with the Houston Astros, and he interviewed on November 28, 2017. A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez, was a rumor. That JLo exacerbated it and she said, quote, on Twitter she tweeted it, it couldn't be clearer. Hashtag Arod for Yankees Manager at Arod at Yankees at MLB. It got almost three thousand likes and over one thousand retweets. Then Brian Cashman on Arod's managerial position came out and said quote, he never expressed interest in any way, shape, or form in it. I engaged him, but I don't want to speak for him, but I don't think he had any interest in that position, end quote which I don't believe, actually, because if J-Lo was tweeting it, there had to have been a conversation there at home. Uh, Obviously, they're dating. There had to have been a conversation if she's tweeting that. So that I don't buy from you, Brian Cashman. And right now, uh, we have John Flaherty ringing in. He is from Yes Network, broadcaster and former New York Yankees catcher. John, um, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule. So uh, I was just preferencing, I don't know if you heard, that there were six guys. The top three were Boone, Mullins, and Beltran. Um, But but before we get to that, I think the first question that I have to ask there are many people lobbying for you to be the next manager of the Yankees, including Boomer O'Siason on the WFAN morning show. Was there ever a conversation between you and Brian Cashman about the job?
3: Well, you know, technically I would say no, there was no conversation between Brian and myself. Uh, There was a conversation between Brian and my agent and. You know, to be quite honest with you, when the job opened up and Brian was talking about that, that you didn't really need to have, be a coach or a manager previously, uh, I kind of said, you know what, I'm going to try to reach out and let them know that I'm interested. And, and if they were interested as well, then that would be great. Um, so it never got to an interview process. Uh, Brian said that he, he was intrigued that I was interested and then I would be on that list to be considered. Uh, but it never went any further than that. So, uh, you know, I was uh, – pleased that, you know, I reached out to him. I'm very happy with what I'm doing with the Yes Network and uh, look forward to broadcasting next year again. Uh, But I just wanted them to know that uh, that I'm at a time in my life that I would be intrigued about the possibility. And obviously, they got a great one in Aaron Boone.
0: Now, would that mean that possibly somewhere else you'd be interested?
3: Uh, You know, we'll see what opportunities come. Like, Like I said, I'm definitely at a point in my life now my kids are getting a little bit older. Um, And I always thought I wanted to get back out on the field, you know, and when the opportunity opened up with the manager's job with the Yankees, obviously everybody would be interested in that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll see what opportunities are out there. But like I said, I'm very happy doing what I'm doing for the Yes Network and and really looking forward to uh, broadcasting next year for a team that should be uh, really good again and really exciting.
0: Now, okay, so a a lot of people thought that uh, Carlos Beltran was going to be the front runner uh, for this job, including me. What do you think that it was that he ultimately didn't get the job? Because I'm kind of thinking that the fact that he just retired like a month ago might have been a major factor.
3: Yeah, that, that's what it was for me too. Uh, I was on the Yes Network on the Hot Stove Show last week, and you know we were talking about Carlos, and you know what? He he is going to be a, a great future manager if he wants to do it. I mean, you know, bilingual, great communicator, obviously has the resume as a player, really relates well to people and kind of has that presence, but the one thing I was concerned about, and and you go through it as a player when you retire, is you need to get away from the game for a little bit. It's really been, you know, a -a 24-hour-a-day, time-consuming job for 20 years for Carlos, and I I think just getting away maybe in a diminished role with an organization to, to change your outlook on the game, not so much from a player, but from an organization standpoint, I think will really benefit him. So, I think that probably at the end was maybe what concerned Brian Cashman and his staff. Uh, but there's no doubt the future is bright for Carlos, whatever he wants to do in the game.
0: Now, moving on to Aaron Boone, what are uh, some of the pros? We'll start with first uh, for Aaron Boone.
3: Well, first, he, he's a, a great communicator. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to play with Aaron a few a few months in 2003, and when he got traded to the Yankees, he just transitioned into our clubhouse so easily and and it was everybody he he got along great with the stars on the team he got along well with backup players role players like myself and that was something i noticed right away i played against aaron for quite a bit before that but when he walked in that clubhouse it felt like you had a relationship already with him and i think that's going to be his greatest asset as a yankee manager is walking into a clubhouse of, of people and personalities that he really does not know and and him to get to know them it won't take long for them to get to know him so I think communication is obviously gonna be a strength
0: and I mean a couple cons for him no managerial experience not even coaching experience what else is there well I, I think
3: that's probably it you know as far as the cons uh, you know and even myself when you start thinking about if this was a possibility to get this job never managed managing or coaching before what would be the biggest challenges. And I, I think for Aaron, it's going to be from the sixth inning on uh, during the daily the games that he's managing. And, and that's really all about, you know, matchups with your bullpen that you want to exploit on the other side. Uh, it's going to be about late inning moves that I think are probably going to happen really quickly for Aaron. You know, the, the, the game speeds up when you get back in the dugout after being a broadcaster, for as long as he and I have done it so you get in a game things happens really quick and you know making sure you have relief pitchers ready to go uh, Larry Rothschild obviously the pitching coach is going to be able to help him out with that and the analytics department will be able to give him the matchups that he should be looking for but all that being said when you get in a game and things start happening quickly I think that's going to be probably the toughest challenge for Aaron you know the first couple of months of the season and then I think obviously he'll get it
0: now we we've heard a lot about this this term analytics being thrown around. I mean, what sort of analytics? What co- sort of numbers do managers look at? Is it in game, before game, after after the game? Like, what is the the, the whole thing behind analytics in managerial positions?
3: Well, obviously, never coaching or managing. I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, what I've been told is that there's really a, a game plan, a blueprint, a formula. Uh, for each and every game and it, and it starts well before the game on you know what the lineup should be as far as what the about uh, I know there are a lot of times when I show up to work a game and I'm surprised that a hitter at three hits the night before And he's not in the lineup the next day And as the an next player that bothers me because I think the game is so much about streaks when you're swinging the bat well mm-hmm. or on the other side when you're struggling Uh, But, you know, the analytics, they don't see that part of it. They see matchups against specific pitchers and and the numbers speak for themselves. So I think Aaron's probably going to get a lot of uh, input on what the lineup should be. And then, like I said, he's going to get a lot of numbers and matchups with bullpen against an opposing lineup and matchups that you want to exploit. And it's going to be his job to take all that information during the game, Uh, like I said, when things get going quick, uh, to be able to get a matchup that favors this club.
0: Now, the Yankees got within one game of the World Series this year. Is it World Series championship or bust next year? Because they're clearly in a win now mode after they exceeded Girardi's, or Girardi's team, exceeded expectations. What is it going to be for this year? What is the goal?
3: Wow, that's a great question. I really hadn't thought about that. Uh, I, I would say obviously you know the standard line around the yankees when you play for them or you work for them is every year our goal is to win the world series if you don't win the world series it's a failure uh for me last year cannot be considered anything but a major success uh being able to take a young club uh to the seventh game of the alcs is a a huge win for the organization now the next step is to go to the world series and win it i don't know if it's fair to say that that's should happen next year i think obviously the year after uh with a couple of years of experience for these young kids uh, they're going to be a club that's going to be right there every year so i i I don't know if you look when a world series is the goal i think you just look to improve on what you built on last year uh there's really not a whole lot of question marks on this club now so you just have to have the individuals go out there and get better a year of experience and postseason experience is going to be huge for this team
0: and so it's going to help Boone, no doubt, because th- this lineup, as as you just alluded to, is just absolutely stacked from top to bottom. I mean, maybe you can go out and get a, a starting ace pitcher, but um, that's going to help him, I, I assume, in managing. Because if he does make a mistake, I think that that lineup will be able to kind of mask it in a way. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, talent, talent out trumps uh experience as a manager, right? I mean, you, you, you throw a lineup out there and, You know, it was funny, I heard Brian Cashman the other day in Stanford, Connecticut say, you know, if you're managing this team, you kind of just stay out of the way and let the players play, uh, which really tells you kind of what today's game thinks about a manager. It's, you know, just put a lineup out there, stay out of the way, uh, let them go do their thing. And, you know, such a young, talented team, I think for Aaron, it's going to be keeping some of the personalities happy with their playing time. Mm -hmm. Toby Ellsbury, what's going to be his role uh, you know, the DH situation is going to be open. Otani, is he going to be somebody that, that comes to the Yankees and will be difficult for Aaron to kind of figure out pitching and hitting? So there are, excuse me, there are going to be some challenges for him, but you're right. When you have a talented club like the Yankees have, it obviously makes life a whole lot easier.
0: Now, finally, uh, and I, I had a strong opinion about this, um, I didn't think it was time for Joe Girardi to go. What do you think about Girardi not being asked back this year? or for this coming season
3: well I was completely shocked uh yeah. you know obviously you go to the seventh game of the ALCS I mean you know he, he did a wonderful job in his 10 years here and mm-hmm. I just assumed that the organization would want him back and then you start hearing things about communication and maybe there were some issues but you know to be quite honest with you the the role of a manager on a major league club has completely changed from what we used to think of it as and With that, I think they're minimizing the importance of a manager, and with that, you're minimizing how much you should really be paying a manager. So I think there were a lot of things that came into play. Um, With a a young core that's going to be moving forward, I I guess they felt they needed a new voice. But you know, 10 years at any place is a long time. Uh, Joe, at the beginning of the year, I thought maybe would be a little burnt out and he would walk away on his own terms, but obviously – uh, the way the year ended and with the young group looking forward he wanted to come back but the organization thought it was time for a change so um, it's a risky move to be honest with you because you you knew what you had in Joe Girardi and a winning manager and now uh, we don't know a whole lot about Aaron Boone but I, I feel really good about it he's going to do a great job
0: now I have uh, my my later guest coming on Chris Wynn he's a host a radio host in Las Vegas or sports radio he's from Detroit And he wants to say hi, and he loved that you had that 27-game hitting streak with his Tigers.
3: (laughs) Um, I appreciate that. That was a nice time in my career, so I appreciate him bringing that back up.
0: All right. So now will you be at the Hot Stove event at the Yogi Berra Museum this year?
3: I will. I will be there again, yep.
0: All right. So for those of you guys who want to come out and and meet and talk with and and listen to John Flaherty, and he knows what he's talking about, that will be January 11th, uh, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Yogi Berra Museum. John, if there's anything else you want to add, if not, I, I'll see you there on January 11th because I'll be there.
3: I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing you again. look forward to the event. It's always a great time at Yogi's Museum and the people down there just such a fantastic time. So hopefully uh, the fans come out we'll have another great night.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much for your input, and I appreciate you taking the time today.
3: My pleasure. Have a good one.
0: You too. Bye. All right, so you heard it. John Flaherty, who was considered for the Yankees managerial position, you heard from his mouth uh what went down and i I would not count that guy out for a managerial job somewhere else possibly if it's not new york uh somewhere else because uh, he is ready he knows the game inside and out and you know without the managerial experience who cares we have a president in office who has no political experience so that's out the window as we alluded to in the interview um, where we talked about Carlos Beltran was the sixth person to interview for the job, and Cashman reached out to him. That made people believe that Beltran was the front runner, And Beltran said, this is not something that you can turn away from. These types of opportunities, especially one with the Yankees, they don't come very often. I'm committed for the job. There's no doubt about that. And excited if I get the opportunity. I would love to manage. I would love to get back in the game. He talked about how at the end of the regular season, he went up to Brian Cashman and asked for a job in the organization he could be suitable for. And then here we are. Brian Cashman reaches out to him with, with a managerial opening that shows me that he is ready, willing and able to do this. Um, Moving forward, pros for, for Carlos Beltran, he, as John Flaherty said, he's universally respected throughout the league. He is bilingual. He would be helpful to young Latin players to make sure they get translators, like Gary Sanchez came to my mind. He's been a mentor for a long time, if you ask anybody that's ever played with him. He's respected. His communication is a strength. Um, and And just coming out of the woodwork here was right before the Yankees announced who their candidate was, Astros outfielder and teammate George Springer said, quote, he will probably be one of the best managers ever have. He understands the game. He's a player's guy. He's played the game, obviously for 20 years. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to be one heck of a manager someday. And that comes from a fellow outfielder and World Series teammate George Springer of the Houston Astros. And even the Astros manager, A.J. Hinch called him a natural connector of people. Again, the cons, no managerial experience, no coaching experience. And one of the things that were, was brought up that was that he would have to manage players that he used to play alongside. That's not impossible. Joe Girardi did it as soon as he walked in the door with the Yankees. I mean, he played with the core four, and then he managed the core four. So that, to me, is a, is a non-factor. Late Friday night, though, as you know, a candidate was chosen, Aaron Boone, member of the 2003 team, acquired in July. And he played the rest of that season with the Yankees, which was a total of 54 games. Then, Boone tore his ACL in a pickup basketball game in January 2004, which was against his contract. He was released on February 27, 2004, and that paved the way for the A-Rod era in the Bronx. And as they say, the rest is history. So there's some jokes floating around social media saying that if Aaron Boone were to get hurt, in any way, shape, or form between now and the beginning of the season, A-Rod, doors open for you, buddy. Again, times two. That's just a joke, though. Boone, with Yankee fans, is most remembered for his walk-off home run in Game 7 of the ALCS versus the Boston Red Sox. He played 12 MLB seasons, eight seasons as an MLB analyst for ESPN, and now here he is back into the dugout. The reaction I'm seeing, uh, the pulse of this, is kind of mixed. Some people love it some people hate it and i'm gonna say most people are in between uh i came up with the pros and cons list for him some pros he clearly knows the game of baseball as a broadcaster you have to you have to know every angle of the game he's got a personality he's a personable person or else you know you can't be boring in the booth as we've seen tony roma has such a personality in, in the broadcasting booth apparently he embraces analytics he is a, has a willingness to collaborate from on the, the, the decisions of the organization from the top down. That's coming from the Yankees. Uh, and, and here's my spin: He is somewhat of a yes man. That's what we were expecting following Girardi's departure. We set it on here. He is expected to carry out some of the orders, the marching orders. He is a former player, which means instant respect in the dugout. I mean, I would I would instantly respect a guy that 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 used to be a player. No doubt. Uh, some cons and probably the only con is that he's got zero as we mentioned coaching or managerial experience but again like I said we also have a president with no political experience so that doesn't really matter but my thoughts I, I just think that Aaron Boone he's an outside the box pick it's nuts it's almost like a fringe pick he must have impressed Cashman in that interview Brian Cashman the GM because uh I mean, he kind of came from nowhere because I I thought, and I think everybody thought, that Carlos Beltran was the number one. Uh, But he did come out and say it's something he's been preparing for his whole life. Both his grandfather and his father played in the MLB, so that's always a plus. But I think that I couldn't even get a head coaching softball position at my high school because I didn't get any or I didn't have any softball experience. I've been a player my whole entire life. I still play. And I coached six years as an assistant volleyball coach. And here, Aaron Boone walks in, a former player turned broadcaster, now turned manager with no coaching experience, and he's going to get full control, the keys to the Ferrari that is the New York Yankees. But I couldn't get a job as a head softball coach at in my, in my school. So I, I don't know how you spin that. But this is sort of the trend because 15 out of the 30 managers in the MLB have never managed in their minor leagues. 17 out of the 30 are working their first managerial job, MLB. And four managers, believe it or not, four managers have no MLB playing experience. So... Aaron Boone is not in the minority of manager demographics in in this league in in 2017, soon to be 2018. He was removed from the dugout for seven years, then he re-entered. I kind of like that, though, because it gives you a chance. You're refreshed. You've grown. You've matured. you've, You've looked at the game from different angles. You're able to come back and wear a new cap, no pun intended, You're a coach. You're a leader. You are the steerer of the ship. You're not just a player anymore. You're not just a soldier on that team. So I kind of like that because of the growth that 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 allows within the seven years. Uh, Also, I thought about this. His experience as a member of the media is going to help him navigate the New York media scene, which apparently people say is one of the toughest uh, to face especially in in the face of a loss, Uh, just ask Ben McAdoo and anybody from the Giants. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I do think that his his experience as a member of the media was going to help him manage the media, if that makes sense. I think Boone is an extremely safe pick. I think he can't mess this up. I think absolutely catastrophic happens. He can't mess this up. This is a loaded roster. This Yankees roster is is two years ahead of schedule. Absolutely loaded. It will take the pressure off of him. And, you know, like I said to John Flaherty, it will help mask any mistakes that that he makes. Because, like, I'll go back to Joe Girardi's non-call of a hit batsman in Game 2 versus the Indians in the ALDS this year. The production from the lineup allowed him to mask that error over the course of the series. That did not affect the outcome of the series. And that's a really good position to be in if you are just starting out. You got some guys that you can count on to to help you steer the ship. Some some co-captains, if you will. That's uh, unlike Girardi's situation. He had, he was in a rebuilding year last year. Everybody knew it, and he had absolutely no pressure. And he got them within one game of the World Series last year. Now I think that the Yankees are expected to make the World Series and probably win it this year. I think that's what's expected of them. And if it doesn't happen, we'd have to expect that Aaron Boone would be on a short lease with this organization because this is the team. This is the new core four. And if a World Series title isn't brought to New York within, I don't know, either next year or the year after, I think they're going to find somebody that, that can get it done and that will get it done if Aaron Boone can't because I, I put him on a two-year, two-year window, two-year um, trial period. Someone just said they need to get rid of Holiday and keep Fraser. Yeah, Holiday didn't do much for me. He's always hurt. I like Frazier. He came up clutch in a couple situations. And then you have to think about Jacoby Ellsbury and Brett Gardner. As John Flaherty said, I think Ellsbury, he, I think he'd be a good trade chip. And I also think uh, Brett Gardner's a good trade chip too. Because uh, then you have an outfield of Clint Frazier, Aaron Judge, and Aaron Hicks which I like a lot better than an an outfield with Gardner in left, Ellsbury in center, and Judge in right. I mean, instant upgrade if you can get rid of and unload and trade Ellsbury or Gardner. And that, you know, Ellsbury's got that gigantic contract, so I I know that's uh, had an impact on on his movability. And, yes, Gardner did have a good year, and that's a great trade piece. I agree. Um but the Yankees need starting pitching. I've been seeing it for years. They need, although the pitching did uh, pick up in the playoffs, definitely they, they just need that ace, that, that that guy that's that that Verlander that's going to come out and just absolutely dominate from start to finish. So getting back to Aaron Boone, I think his lack of coaching managerial experience is certainly a gamble. But remember, you have to remember that he also played for Joe Torre, who in my opinion is the best manager of all time and he played alongside the core four in Jeter, Pettit, Posada, and Rivera. And I've interviewed many teammates of his and John Flaherty's one of them. You know, and I've talked to Andy Pettit and I'm always told that that group of Yankees always knew how to win. So this is in my opinion the new core four and Boone's just going to be fine especially with that lineup, but the problem is going to occur if he can't get a World Series title uh, within the next 2 years. That's when some issues are going to to occur. Mark Teixeira, who was highly after the fact, though, about Joe Girardi's clubhouse management. He was a player under Joe Girardi. He called this a fantastic hire by the Yankees with Aaron Boone. Good luck, my friend. Hashtag 28. That was from Mark Teixeira. With all this in place now, the next piece to fall is going to be, uh, where does Japanese superstar Otani fall? And uh, what about CC Sabathia? as a free agent. Will he be back in pinstripes? He had a great postseason, but then again, that may be a good negotiation um, tool to unload him and, and go younger. You know? I think, uh, I love, I love, by the way, what Otani's doing. He's making teams make, no pun intended, again, I'm pretty good at this today, pitches to him as to why he should go and play for them. And not. it's just not about the money. It's about everything else. So, I kind of like that, and he put that out to every single team. I don't know. I think that's pretty pretty genius, actually. And I, I've heard him call. I think it was. Uh, I don't want to say the wrong name, but I, I've heard him being called the player of a of a millennium, or player of a career, player of a lifetime. I haven't done much research into that, but maybe I'll have uh, time this week to look into that for you guys for next week. Uh, you guys heard from John Flaherty, some uh, some great insight from him. Next segment coming up, man down, the Giants toss Eli aside in the most brutal way possible. Eli Manning discussion, Ben McAdoo discussion, and a conversation with Chris Wynn. We can talk about the Giants coming up uh, against the Raiders today at four twenty-five p.m.
3: Where'd you go? Get
1: beer. Wait, so you escaped the pit of misery and you came back? Yeah, with Bud Light. That is the dumbest thing that I... Oh, shut up, Doug. Yeah, shut up, Doug. Dilly dilly.
2: Dilly dilly.
1: So, what I miss? Kevin cried. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Here's to the friends you can always count on. This is Brandon Marshall, wide receiver of the New York Jets, and you're listening to the 60-minute overtime on WRPR.
0: the party here but this is my first chance to talk about this what the Giants organization did to Eli Manning was just absolutely terrible they made a grown man cry it was so unprofessionally done and John Mara the owner of the Giants wasn't even in the building that day I that is just absolutely utterly and completely disrespectful listen Eli Manning's numbers for this season were on par matching his career numbers In a miserable season, Manning was not the problem. He's a consummate professional, he's a proven winner, and he's a reliable player that has absolutely been embarrassed on the national stage by this cowardly head coach, his GM, and his ownership. Eli Manning's numbers are on par with his career numbers in almost every single statistical category, including during last year's 11-win team. And Matt Stafford this year, Matthew Stafford of the Lions, he has similar numbers. Are they going to bench him in Detroit? No. The answer is no. Eli Manning was made to look like a scapegoat in a situation that had and has many moving parts. This fallout would not have happened, though, if Davis Webb had been given the keys to this team. He could potentially be the future of this organization, and the Giants need to figure him out before the draft next year. In 2018, right in the beginning of the year there. We, in this town, know what Geno Smith is all about. We watched him for years. We watched him for years as a Giant and as a Jet. And they turned to him? He is not the answer. He is not the future of this team. Why on earth would Geno Smith be starting for the Giants? It would be it is detrimental for the Giants. He's a solid backup, he's a career backup, and we already know that we are not learning anything new by starting Geno Smith today in Oakland. My favorite headline, I had to go back and find this, my favorite Geno Smith story. You ready for this? This is in 2014. He was a second-year quarterback, not even a rookie quarterback, with the New York Jets. Here's the best story about Geno Smith. He missed the team meeting in in San Diego because he was out at the movies. And this is a word-for-word, I'm going to read it, a direct quote from Geno Smith. Okay, ready? He, He missed the team meeting because he was out at the movie theater. Okay, I guess by himself. Um, here's the quote. He says, and that also speaks to his character, you know, if he is going by himself. Because who, maybe they sent him there on purpose. But that's besides the point. Here's the quote from Gino Smith. He says, quote, well, see the time. We always get the schedule. We get emails and all that stuff. Mainly, I just counted down instead of counting up and got the times mixed up. So I guess you could say I was on West Coast time, thinking I was on West Coast time when I mean, thinking I was on East Coast time when we were actually on West Coast time. So that was just my mishap. It really has nothing to do with the time zones. End quote. This guy is the guy that they picked to lead their organization? You have to be kidding me. He can't even figure out the times. And this is so ironic that that I brought up this story because today they're playing in, in West Coast time in Oakland. Maybe he won't, maybe, maybe, maybe he's going to miss. Maybe he's at the, the, the movies again, and maybe he's going to miss his start today because that would be the best thing to happen to this Giants team. Gino is absolutely detrimental for the Giants. He's a solid career backup, and the only thing I could think of is, is that possibly that they're buying time for Davis Webb to make a start next week with the guy who they drafted last year. That's inexcusable as well because Davis Webb should have been dressing every single game of the season so far if this was the move that you knew you were going to make, John Mara, at the end of the season. Davis Webb has yet to dress for a Giants game, including today, on the sidelines. Uh, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. This was completely mishandled from top to bottom, from start to finish. Listen, I've been calling for Webb all season long once the Giants are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, and yes, they are. But this needs to be handled correctly and gracefully, and which is the exact opposite of how it was done. They embarrassed Eli Manning. People are absolutely up in arms. And, and John Marrow wasn't even in the building that day. How, I, I just, I don't understand it. Because, I mean, I mean, okay, Davis Webb, the jump from three number three quarterback to number one, and, in, 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 you know, this has happened all Monday or Tuesday, that's really tough. But had this guy been dressing all along and, and getting first team reps or even second team reps all along, that we wouldn't be in this situation. Maybe that the thought process that there is, and I'm just trying to throw him a bone, is that they didn't want to shock the guy, Davis Webb. And just have him jump right into the pool without getting his toes wet and adjusted first. Because I know I'd like to get my toes wet first, too. And I don't like to jump right into a pool. But I'm calling for a Davis Webb debut in Week 14 at home versus the Dallas Cowboys. That is what I am predicting. Player reactions all along the league were fast and they were furious. Uh, former players. But I, I'm i going to present to you guys two that I found very, very... Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, these were the two guys, two of the guys that should not be saying anything nice about Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. Eli infamously traded spots with Phillip Rivers on draft day and the Chargers and the Giants. They had a huge controversial switch. He, he's on Eli's side. Brady, who the Giants or Eli's Giants beat twice in the Super Bowl, he's on his side. So here are the quotes from first from Philip Rivers. He said, quote, I honestly thought it was pathetic, really. The guy's been out there for 210 straight games with no telling how many bumps and bruises and injuries for his team. He won two Super Bowls, two MVPs, the respect he's had in the locker room over the years, really the respect he's gained throughout the league. You feel like the guy's earned the opportunity, and if, in fact, they are deciding, in fact, to go with another direction, you feel he's earned the opportunity to finish it off, finish off these last five starts. I just thought it was too bad the way that they handle it, and then certainly Eli, we're not close buddies, but as a friend, as a fellow quarterback, it was tough to watch him yesterday. I can only imagine how he felt. Tom Brady, who's Eli's Giants beat twice in the Super Bowl, says... Quote, I mean, I have nothing but the most respect for him and everything he's achieved and accomplished in his career. Obviously, being on the other side of those two Super Bowl losses to an Eli Manning-led team, I just have so much respect for his dependability, for his consistency, for his toughness. You know, that's really everything you want in an NFL player, and I think Eli has always provided that for his team. So I think it's a pretty unfortunate situation. You always wish for everything to go like a fairy tale, but it doesn't. Michael Jordan played for the Washington Wizards. I mean, who would have ever believed that? And that's just pro sports, says Tom Brady. And then Justin Pugh, who is, uh, I don't think he's playing today, says, and this is a teammate of Eli's, a current teammate, a current giant, says, quote, obviously it lets you know that no one's untouchable because if anyone is untouchable, it'd be Eli Manning. I used to say I've seen it all, but now I've seen it all. And that I love that. I used to say I've seen it all, but now I've seen it all. That has been the, the mantra here in New York, in New Jersey, and, and across the nation. This this whole week I mean this is still relevant And today it's almost a week later This is still relevant And then the quotes from um, John Mayer and, and Ben McAdoo You gotta listen to this So uh, McAdoo says it's a quote Emotional decision all week He's calling this an emotional decision And Kim Jones who is the gold standard of reporting She was a guest on this show once uh, In the past She pressed him on this Finally someone asked him about this She says quote From the demeanor that we see from you I don't know if we see that this is an emotional decision for you, end quote. Guess what his response was? He says, quote, again, you have to separate the emotions and your feelings and make a decision that you feel is right for the organization moving forward, end quote. He continued on to say that, quote, Geno Smith gives us the best chance to win, end quote. What? Geno Smith gives you a better chance to win over Eli Manning? You're nuts. You're absolutely nuts if you absolutely believe that. I don't know what kool you're drinking, Ben McAdoo, but are you... hate I mean, what? Geno Smith gives you the best chance to win? He's The guy's a, in his five, fifth year. He's a fifth-year veteran, Geno Smith, and, and he's a backup ever since? He gives you the best chance to win over Eli Manning? You're absolutely out of your mind. And then here comes John Mara. Here comes John Mara saying that he and uh, and Jerry Reese have had conversations about this in the past. Why wasn't Eli Manning included in those conversations? That's what I want to know. Why wasn't John Mara the one to talk to Eli Manning? Why did it have to be Ben McAdoo? Manning did so much for Mara over the past years that he's been here, including winning two Super Bowls. He couldn't be given the respect to, to... uh, to, to be told by the, ma- the the owners of the team, he, he had to go through the scapegoat McAdoo? I think Eli Manning should have been given the respect to be a, a part of those meetings about discussing his future and the future of the team that he cared so much about and put so much on the line for over all the years. John Barrow wasn't even in the building! He says, quote, I wish I could have been here when it was all going down. I did not expect Eli to react by saying, go ahead and start the other guys. That took me by surprise. Are you a moron? You don't know you're Eli Manning quarterback, captain by now? That took you by surprise? I don't think that took anybody by surprise. Eli Manning is the consummate team player. Of course he was going to say that. And the plan was, apparently the plan was to start Manning, let him play the first half, and put Geno Smith in the second half. That was apparently what was offered to Eli Manning. Why on earth would you ever take that? Nobody would take that. Mara says, I have so much respect for Eli, I would take his desires into consideration this offseason. If you have so much respect for Eli to take his desires into consideration this offseason, why didn't you do it last week? Mara, when, when asked if McAdoo is safe for the rest of the year, he replies, quote, there are no guarantees in life. There are no guarantees in life. Why wouldn't McAdoo be left, let go first? And now there's new news coming out, uh, and I'm going to get to that in about five minutes. Uh, Warrior Class says on, on Periscope that the Giants were once a proud organization, once this is the Giants doing the best impersonation of the Jets, but 10 times, 100 times, a million times worse. And here's a cool graphic that I'll tweet out NFC East starting quarterback since week 11 of 2004. The Giants have, I'll show you here, the Giants have one, one quarterback. Redskins have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 starting quarterbacks since 2004 for the Redskins. The Cowboys, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. 12 of them since 2004 have started for the Cowboys. And the Eagles, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 quarterbacks for the Eagles have started also since 2004. The Giants have won Number 10 Eli Manning. That should speak volumes. So so, so now what? Now what do we do with Eli Manning? He turns t- 37 in January. He's got salary kips salary cap hits of more than 22 million dollars in each of the next two seasons so this morning I woke up and there were two options and now walking into this radio station there are now four options on the table for Eli Manning option one Eli Manning starts again next year with the Giants with a new coach and a new GM and hopefully I pray to God a new offensive line and Eli Manning that offensive line is terrible I say it every single week he never once criticized them in the media by the way uh, this When I woke up this morning, that didn't look probable Because Maher keeps saying it was an organizational decision Maher kept saying that he didn't think Eli Manning would turn down the opportunity to start And then come out Then you don't know your quarterback Also, of note, the Giants offense has failed to score 30 points in any of its last 27 games Which is the entire tenure of Ben McAdoo They've never scored more than 30 points Only the Bears and the Browns have longer active streaks. And when you're in a conversation and in the same sentence as the Browns, you're doing something wrong. Okay, so the option, I think, option one, Eli starts again next year with a new coach and a new GM. Option two, Eli Manning asks for a trade to another team. I think Jacksonville is a perfect fit for him. They have a running game in Leonard Fournette, who possibly could be Rookie of the Year. That's something that's been missing from the the Giants for a very long time. The Jags' running game is the best, number one, in the league. It's a reuniting, reunification with Tom Coughlin and the Giant years and Super Bowl years. And how about defense? Well, the Jaguars have the best total defense in the league, and it's not even close. So Eli Manning, if he's going to go somewhere else, is going to go to Jacksonville no doubt option three and and they don't have a quarterback either down there in Jacksonville option three which came out this morning that I saw that his father also an NFL player quarterback hinted that Eli could retire following this absolute debacle and that would be a shame and option four which I think is going to happen are you ready for this one? you ready for this one? buckle your seatbelts Eli Manning is going to be the Giants quarterback next week starting quarterback next week yep I think so Reports are that Ben McAdoo will be the first Giants head coach fired in season. Good. Thank God. McAdoo should have been gone a long time ago. There's just some guys that are not cut out to be head coaches, and Ben McAdoo is one of them. He won last year. They won 11 games last year. That was Tom Coughlin's team. He was exposed this year. Ben McAdoo was exposed this year. Of the fact that that this guy, listen, I'm a coach too. This guy cannot lead a team of men that are going into battle every single week. You've got anonymous sources. You've got boat trips. You've got a lack of discipline for the star players on this team after those boat trips, which pisses other guys off in the locker room. Because they, they say uh, favoritism and all that. And then, and then those guys try to get away with things. And that's where you have suspensions of Dominique Rogers, cromartie and, and Janoris Jenkins. This is a guy that was trying to, to, to drop the hammer. And one, it was entirely too late. His expectations are clearly not clear. He is not respected in the locker room, which is also clear. You should take a look at the injury report. You think, you think guys are, are going to play for a guy like this? coach he's got no control and he has no self-responsibility he he thought he can handle it all and you saw it you saw it you knew he didn't know what he was doing when he was trying to call plays as the head coach and then mid-season uh mid-season he handled over his play calling abilities to his offensive coordinator you just knew it right then and there that he had no idea what he was doing so there's 10 coaches head coaches this year, which is above average for the nfl this year Ben McAdoo doesn't even deserve a shot at any one of those head coaches' positions. I wouldn't even, for the Browns, I wouldn't even wish Ben McAdoo on the Cleveland. He ran the Giants program into the ground in two years, less than two years. So here's what happens. The Maras now get bailed out because they're going to get a mulligan. They're going to fix this Eli Injustice. And they're going to fix it, and they're going to try a do-over, and they're going to try and pass the torch in the right way. I think Eli Manning starts next week, and it's a shame his streak has to come to an end out of this embarrassment this week. One game, one chink in that streak, one chink in that armor.
1: Tell me that
0: Ben McAdoo tonight, you'll see it. Ben McAdoo is going to be flying United coach on his way home from, from uh, Oakland tonight. He will not be in the Giants team playing tonight. They will fire him before he can even print his boarding pass. And deservedly so. So what happens then? Well, what happens then? Uh, I think, and I'm going to say that Steve Spagnolo, the Giants defensive coordinator, is going to be the replacement Ben McAdoo this guy was Eli's Super Bowl Uh, he wasn't Eli's direct quote coach but he was a coach with the the Giants when Eli Manning and and then won the Super Bowl in 2007 versus the Patriots they sacked Time Brady five times that that time um, which he hadn't been sacked five times that season that entire season they did it five times in one game I think Steve Spaniolo um, is a great fit because guess what Steve Spaniolo interviewed for the head coach job When the Giants went ahead and picked McAdoo So he is a guy that has Head coach aspirations Clearly If he went out for the job two years ago And he's a defensive coordinator And he has In my opinion He has the respect of that locker room And he understands The tradition of that locker room and, And everything that goes along with that He's a players coach That's for sure Steve Spagnolo, listen, here it is. Here, here it is. McAdoo will be fired tonight. Tuesday, Spaniolo is going to come out and, and be named as the interim head coach. By Wednesday, we're going to have a plan for Eli Manning, which is going to be Eli's going to start. And then uh, Davis Webb is going to come in in the second half. Forget Geno Smith. And that's what I think. And that's uh, th- mark my words, that's what's going to happen. Oh, just one more thing. Guess what? By the way, early Wednesday morning, right after this uh, whole thing went down on Tuesday, Eli Manning was seen with Davis Webb in the team cafeteria that next morning, early. It was like 7.30. He was mentoring him, showing him things, which is great, which is Eli Manning. That is Eli Manning in a nutshell. But I have one more final question I want to leave you with. That if... Manning is sitting with Webb in the cafeteria. Where was Gino Smith? Hmm. He's getting a start this week today. Where was he? He's probably at the movies. So with Gino at the helm, how did the Giants play today? We're gonna have a call in from Chris Wynn from Las Vegas uh, uh, because the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. Which team, which Giants team is going to show up in Oakland later today? We don't know. Is this going to be the Rams Giants or this is going to be the Broncos Giants? Because the 2-9 New York Giants are playing at the 5-6 and six Oakland Raiders today, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. That's at 425 p.m. on Fox. Now, not that it means anything, but Geno Smith is 2-0 versus the Raiders, which is with an entirely different team. What does that even matter? But I just felt like I had to tell you that. Eli Manning's 210-game win streak does come to an end. And what is the biggest thing to watch today? Number one for me is going to be, how hard will the Giants be playing? Here comes another uh, injury. Janoris Jenkins is out with a season-ending injury. We don't know what Eli Apple's doing today. Is he going to miss his third straight game? And what are the Raiders going to do without Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper? Which is something I hope Chris can answer you gotta, you got to give it to guys like Evan Ingram. He's been the only one and the only. Evan Ingram and Eli Manning, bright spots on this, on this roster. Both uh, Mississippi dudes, university. So uh, going over the injury reports and notables for the Raiders, like I just mentioned, Amari Cooper is out with a concussion slash ankle. Michael Crabtree is out with the suspension, which I am not particularly happy about since he's on my fantasy team. And he didn't get, get me one point last week before he decided he was going to start that fight. Some, uh, Giants injury notables. I'm going to include Eli Manning as, as an injury notable because uh, I think he's back next week. I think that's how the Giants have approached this, that this is going to be an injury, not a uh, retirement party. That's at least, I hope, how they how they did it. So Eli Manning is not playing. Jonathan Cancius is, uh, is also out with a neck and a wrist injury. Damon Harrison is questionable, last I saw. Justin Pugh is doubtful offensive lineman. Eli Apple's questionable. He hasn't played in the past two games. Today would be the third consecutive. And Janoris Jenkins, like I just said, is is landing on the IR with an ankle injury. All right, so on the phone we have Chris Wynn. He's the host of a uh, sports radio show in ESPN Las Vegas and Fox Sports Las Vegas. Chris, how did I do?
2: Danielle, it's good to talk to you. I like the passion. Wow, <laughs> fired up. Little Ben McAdoo not love coming his way, let's put it that way. No, no. <laughs> nope. Uh,
0: so I guess I'll start with that then. That's like a little segue here. What uh, I know the Giants news made it all the way out there to bench future Hall of Famer Eli Manning. It made reverberations all across the country. What is uh, the pulse in Vegas about uh, Eli Manning there?
2: Oh, no doubt about it, Danielle. It was a major topic on our airways pretty much all week long, given, you know, look... Uh, we like to break down the games and, you know, all the, all the key matchups around the NFL. But when it comes to a, a team like the Giants that have won multiple, not just one Super Bowl with Eli Manning at the helm, but they've won two with that guy. And the decision is made in week 12 in a season that is long gone when it comes to the Giants and you decide to bench. A quarterback who a lot of people say is a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now I think that's still a tad bit up for debate, but no way, a Hall of Fame quarterback. No well, way. Well, I mean, look, look, it's, he, he, he is. He's 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 a he's been a fixture there for you know a number of seasons, and it was a big it was a big reason why they won those Super Bowls. To make that decision for, it's not like you made it for Davis Webb, or you made it for Andrew Luck or you made it for some franchise quarterback, you make it for Geno Smith. Uh, it was safe to say it, uh, it perched some ears up, let's put it that way, around the country, and people had some pretty strong opinions as to why that decision was made at this time.
0: Yeah, I mean, Montana to Young, Bledsoe to Brady, Favre to Rodgers, Manning to Smith.
2: Yeah, it makes no sense. Where right? does that make sense? And...
0: In nowhere. In nowhere. In nowhere.
2: Yeah, and uh, and by the way, but during your show here, there's been uh, I guess you could call it some breaking news because Will Brinson from CBS Sports Mm -hmm. was actually touting out uh, both both uh, Mortensen as well as Adam Schefter from ESPN saying that it's pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered, Danielle, that he is going to be out of his job by as as early as uh, Monday morning. Oh yeah. So, and of course, you you talked a lot about uh, what Mara's position is on this, and and you look, you you were very opinionative and rightfully so, regarding the ownership and how they st- where they stand there. But from Adam Schefter's standpoint, from from Chris Morton, some others around the league, basically the thought is that hey, John Merritt did not like the way that it was handled. He is not happy with McAdoo, not only with that decision, but of course with the offense the entire season. Now look, we understand. There's been injuries across the board. When mm-hmm. you lose some key guys on offense like they have, particularly, and wide receiver, they're going to struggle. But the offense was still struggling even before some of those injuries went down. So they haven't been happy with what McAdoo has brought to the table, both from an offensive standpoint and from the head coaching position. So uh, it, it, it appears that the, the decision has pretty much already been made regardless of yeah. what happens. In this matchup against the Raiders today,
0: well, I just and just to say, it just one more time, if if Mara was so unhappy with it, he should have been there.
2: And that was an indication, also, is that look, he, he did sign off on it. Yeah. I mean, even if he wasn't there, mm-hmm. and and even if even if it wasn't an ideal decision, he did eventually sign off. So he doesn't escape complete blame here. Yeah, but make no may, 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 no mistake about it. This was Ben McAdoo's decision, as far as as you know benching him in the, in the, you know, and week, going into week 13 of a season that is lost, and his opinion, not in his opinion, but John Mayer's opinion, and opinions I'm sure of a lot of New Yorkers there, and a lot of fans around the country were like, you, that's not how you treat a guy that's been there for over a decade and has brought you two Super Bowls, and is most likely headed towards the Hall of Fame.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. So let's let's get into today. I, I my my big question is going to be how hard are the Giants playing for Geno Smith? Are they going to be uh, somewhat protesting, giving you know seventy five percent effort as a way to, to probably or hopefully, not hopefully, but maybe make a stand about starting Geno over Eli? That is to be determined. But let's just say that the Giants are going to come one hundred percent. Well, let's first talk about the Raiders. How is uh, head coach Jack Del Rio going to adapt his game plan without both Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree in this lineup
2: today? Oh, that's the that's funny thing, isn't it? Like, look, you looked at this matchup at the beginning of the season. You thought to yourself, wow, this some decent offenses here. You probably had two teams that were going to go into this matchup with playoff possibilities and playoff scenarios and looking to head towards that with, with you know great players on both sides. Obviously not the case in the situation as both these teams, particularly from a wide receiver standpoint, are hindered big time. Uh, we know about the Giants situation, of course, with the Raiders. You, you mentioned Amari Cooper. He's still in the concussion protocol. You've got, of course, the, the one-game suspension of Michael Crabtree for that fiasco last week mm-hmm. that went down on the field against the, against the Denver Broncos. So they're going to look to guys like Josh Roberts. going to look to Jared Cook at the tight end position. They're gonna look at... Uh, some other pieces, obviously, Cordell Patterson's another guy. I think that's going to be key in this matchup today. He was someone that that had a lot of promise when he was in Minnesota with the Vikings. He's an explosive player, a special teams guy. He came over to the Raiders and and really basically was a victim of the numbers game. Of course, when you got Cooper and Michael Crabtree out there, it, it doesn't make it real easy for a guy like that to get on the field. They're going to count on him today, and and Derek Carr's going to count on him. And Marshawn Lynch, look, I mean, it's, Marshawn is nowhere near what he was when he was beast mode in Seattle. But he had a pretty good game last week against the Broncos in a win, and it looked like the offense got a little bit more on track last week. So I think this is one of those games where the Raiders get right on the defensive side of things. And given, given what the situation is with the Giants, and you, you mentioned the effort level, I just don't see it. I don't understand how how anyone would expect the Giants to come out there and and play big for Geno Smith. I think about Geno. It's like you ever you ever see the movie uh, uh, Any Given Sunday with Pacino and Jamie Foxx. I think about this as like when Jamie Foxx got the whole team pissed off at him, you know, and and then went out there and they all laid an egg in in, in a in a drowning rainstorm. That's kind of what I think it's going to be here. I mean, nothing against Geno Smith from his personality standpoint, but I, I, just, I just don't see any way possible that the Giants find a way to get up for this game, considering it's Week 13 and they are going absolutely nowhere fast
1: Backwards. when it comes to
2: any, <laughs> any type of postseason play or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're basically playing out the string, and you've got a Raiders team that still, look, they're still in it, given what has gone down in the AFC West as of late, of course, with a team like, say, the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Now, I don't know if uh, if you've seen anything, but I saw this last night. Giants linebacker Devin Kennard sent out a tweet on April 14, 2017. Talk about going back and, and seeing what this matchup would be like back then. I yeah. guess that's when the schedules came out. And the tweet was, quote, So looking like our D going to get the chance to shut down a legend this year when we play Oakland. which is And then he put the eyes-watching emoji. Uh, obviously, Marshawn Lynch. Times have changed, clearly. Have you seen Lynch comment back to that? at all uh, in the media out there is that a fired up lynch that the Giants are gonna really need to encounter today
2: no he hasn't really to be quite honest with you he hasn't addressed it I don't I don't think he's even been on the radar there and look we we are already here in Las Vegas covering the Raiders like they're already here all yeah. of our newspapers all you know mm-hmm. all of our media outlets we send people to the games and <laughs> to be quite honest with it that that's never even come up it's never even been a discussion and when it comes to Marshawn, look, those kinds of things would would usually catch somebody's eye or somebody's ear yeah, around thinking. here, you know. Mm-hmm. And no one's even 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 heard a, a, a peep out of that. So I don't I don't think it's something that really is focused on now. Maybe uh, after the game, something might come up with 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 Jack Del Rio because you know Marshawn Lynch is not exactly you know media. Uh, <laughs> And I, I'm just here so I don't get fined. He's not the me, he's not the media guy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> when you think about all the players on the Raiders that uh, if you, you want to go in to inter, your interview from Marshawn's not the first guy to go to. Mm-hmm. But you know if, if Marshawn were to say something, maybe you possibly say something about it. But I, I just don't anticipate that's going to be the case in, in this matchup today. So
0: I guess that's good news for the Giants in a way. <laughs> right. So the Raiders are. Uh, Like you said, they're they're at five and six, but they're still in the mix for a wild card spot. Where do they finish out the season? What's your projection for them?
2: I think that they're going to figure they're going to just on the outside looking in. Look, the the rest of their schedule is not easy. Let's put it that way. Uh, I had a chance to talk to JT the Brick actually. He's you know he's he's hosts his national show over on Fox Sports Radio here Mm -hmm. in Vegas, and he worked for the Raiders for a number of years, obviously. So he's he's all wired in up in Oakland. Mm -hmm. And he just talked about the schedule. He said, "Look, they're going to only be favored in two games, and this is one of them against the Giants coming up today. So, you know, you get matchups against teams like like the Chargers, the the Cowboys, some other games where there's going to be teams that are fighting for playoff spots themselves, and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, it's 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 a daunting schedule, and the outlook is a little bit bleak when it comes to." The playoffs, they already had some losses this year. I think that that basically cost them when it comes to the postseason. So when it's all said and done, Danielle, basically what I think it's going to be, it's going to be a disappointing season for the Raiders, but it's going to be a circle the wagons type of deal because they've got the young nucleus. They've got young players. They're going to be here for a while. You know, it's not like it's a, a, a veteran laden football team where you've got, you know, five, six, you know, key contributors that are going to be Sayonara to their career And leaving this team anytime soon It's a, it's a pretty young nucleus So the every, anybody that's a Raider fan Whether it's in Las Vegas or Oakland Or in California or on the West Coast period Basically has very high hopes For this team going forward Despite the fact that they probably Will not be a playoff team Here in 2017-2018
0: If you had to give a score prediction For today's game What would it be?
2: I'd look at this as probably somewhere around the lines of thirty five to seventeen Oakland. I think offensively they're just they're gonna be able to handle things regardless of not having Crabtree and Cooper in there. Look, Amari Cooper's been a guy who uh, we all saw what he did last year. It was it was it was like, Wow, this guy's gonna be a top five wide receiver in the league, right? That I mean some of the numbers he's putting up was pretty impressive. This year hasn't been the case. He's been, you know, he's had it. He's had a couple couple sporadic games. He had one great game, I believe it was week four or five, where he put up massive numbers. But he's uh, been kind of under the radar so far this season. So it's not like you know not having him. I think has been a huge factor this year. But I just think that Derek Carr, he's gonna he's gonna utilize the other pieces that he does have, whether it's Roberts, whether it's Jared Cook. I think Jared Cook could have a big game today. And I think Marshawn Lynch still he can bring those flashes. You know, there's there's times where he can you know, they'll have the second down, second down five on the five yard line and, and Marshawn will get in the end zone. And it's against teams like the Giants where those types of things seem to happen as of late. So that's where I think that the Raiders will pull a lot of their offense. And I think they're going to be able to weather the storm as far as the injury is concerned, the offensive side of things, and maybe even create a couple of defensive opportunities here, whether it's a pick six. Because look, I I'm, mean, I'm really, Danielle, you're there in New York. How much confidence do people in the tri-state area have that Geno Smith is going to all of a sudden go out there and be this <laughs> some electrifying quarterback? Zero,
0: absolutely zero.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: In a way that makes him a little bit dangerous, though. He's going to be playing with an edge. I'm not. I'm not. Told, I shouldn't say I think zero. I'm going to give him like a five percent chance of of uh, of success today. Um, and Jack Del, look,
2: Jack Del Rio kind of said that. He said that in the press conference yesterday. He said, "Look, people forget Geno Smith back in 2015 when he was with the Jets, and he came out here and had a, had a decent game. I guess I don't remember the game, but you know, yeah, yeah, there was there was a, a few games where Geno Smith showed some promise, but you know, for the most part, that was not the case with the Jets. So, uh, you know, but so so I guess." jack del rio is taking a cautious approach Mm -hmm. to it and they're preparing you know like he's going to play one of his better games but i I just can't believe that's going to be the expectation from everybody else that's watching this matchup
0: and finally before i let you go today's the giants last trip ever to oakland california how has construction been going on at the, the stadium in las vegas after they broke ground it wasn't long ago What's, what's yeah, the recent? It's
2: been pretty cool, Danielle. A couple of weeks ago, they had the groundbreaking, all the celebrities, all the local entertainers, mm-hmm. all, a lot of a lot of ex-Raiders coming down. You had Howie Long. You had uh, you know all the guys from the 70s and 80s were in town. And, look, the location is there. It's, it's underway. They're hoping everything goes smoothly. It's Las Vegas. I mean, everybody understands the weather situation out here. This is why, I mean, when it comes to being able to keep a project on time when it comes to construction and and keeping all their ducks in a row and dotting all the i's and crossing all the t's this is the town where stuff like that gets built quickly like, yeah. I mean, when any time there's a you know a brand new casino brand new hotel that thing goes up in, in a matter of days it seems <laughs> like so as of right now time, the timeline is set and it's ready to roll and uh, hopefully we don't have any issues like they did in los angeles of course with the stadium there mm-hmm and they can uh, get things rolling, so it's all set for 2020, and then we'll be ready to see some NFL football here in Las Vegas. The, the hockey situation's been pretty solid, yeah. and it's been impressive to say the least as far as the fan support and, as, as, and the crowds there at T-Mobile. I anticipate nothing less when you've got NFL football coming to Las Vegas as well with the Oakland Raiders.
0: Exciting times. Well, Chris, I'll see you in February. Thanks for coming on today.
2: Absolutely, Danielle. Always great to talk to you. Have a great weekend, and we'll get a chance to uh, check out some exciting Giants-Raiders football today. Wow, can't wait.
0: And also, they're extending the monorail uh, from, the. if you've been to Vegas, they're extending the monorail from the side of the MGM across the street over to the Mandalay Bay side, which is going to just help uh, in getting people to and from that stadium when it is built. So I came up with some Giants keys to the game. Watch for the big play. The Raiders are first in the NFL in plays over 20 yards which t- with 12. It's going to be interesting to see how they manage this with Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree out, though, because obviously those stats are inclusive of those two guys. Giants need to watch and know where Khalil Mack is on the field at all times. He, uh, he is second in the league f- with defensive linemen with 52 tackles and 6.5 and sacks. He's the guy's a monster. He's got the ability to split double teams. They have to keep him occupied. They have to run at him, and they cannot give him space to make big plays. He's got an explosive pass rush. Marshawn Lynch, as we mentioned, he's a runner, he's a catcher, he's a blocker. He's in the best part about him is he's an after the contact runner. He's patient and he's hard to tackle. Uh, so the Giants need to flush him out to the sidelines defensively. They can't allow him to run north and south because you know, like when you play Madden on the video games the truck stick I think Marshawn Lynch invented that truck stick Uh, McAdoo says that rushing attempts will be important on both sides Uh, they need to plug up the middle defensively and get Lynch to the ground according to McAdoo and they need to play sound gap defense get around the ball according to him what the Raiders need to do they need to stuff the run force Geno Smith to throw the ball he's interception prone we've seen that in New York when he forces the ball and he does do that often But they also, at the same time, need to contain him. He's much more mobile than Eli ever was and ever will be. He can escape the pocket if Khalil Mack is, in fact, flushed out and neutralized. Geno Smith does have some escapability in him. And number three, what to watch. How will Geno Smith be able to take advantage of one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL? The Raiders only have one interception entering play today. Score prediction time? The Giants, by the way, are 31st in the NFL in scoring with only 15.6 points per game. I'm going to say that they're going to be under that. I think the Raiders are going to take this game 24-14. You can go ahead and lock that one in.
2: I was raised on basketball. I played with my brothers, but my dad taught me the game. I learned the rules, and then I created my own style. Basketball is all about
1: creativity. I'm able every game to go out and make something different happen. And you never get bored with it. I'm Candace Parker, and creativity makes a difference in how I shape my game.
3: This is Noah Syndergaard, pitcher for the New York Mets. You're listening to 60 Minute Overtime on WRPR.
0: player ejections and ref intimidation, what should have been front page news but wasn't due to Eli Manning, the fact that LeBron James got thrown out of a game on Tuesday for the first time ever, ever in his career in the NBA. It's such a shame that Eli Manning, the debacle, had to overshadow this because LeBron James has for the first time been ejected for intimidating a referee. And he does it often, he does it all the time when things don't go his way. If you ever watched him play, I can't watch him play. but it's overdue, and that there are many more professional players across all of sports who deserve that same treatment. It's just not a good look. the kids are emulating you. so if you're doing it to the referees at the professional level, kids at the at the younger level levels, the high school on down and college are emulating you like. I, I always think of the dab. People are still doing it. Kids are still doing it in my class when they get questions right. The dab, which is years ago. Years. And it's not even relevant anymore. Cam Newton started that, as you, as you may or may not know. But to have the kids emulating you... Uh, another guy that does it all the time is Rob Gronkowski. I cannot watch him play. He is so big, and so is LeBron. He's just so big that to have him yelling and screaming and gesticulating in your face... As a referee, I couldn't imagine. And the referees need, and I'm so happy that that guy um, stepped up. That referee stepped up in Cleveland that night to toss him. And then obviously uh, Ennis Cantor, who takes uh, particular exception to LeBron James, he's a, a, Ennis Cantor's a Nick. He tweeted something along the lines of, uh, "Well, LeBron, this is this is like drama. Basketball is like drama." LeBron said that he is the king of New York when they played here. Ennis Cantor took exception to that. There was almost a fight on the court. Now, shortly after, LeBron gets ejected by this referee, and Ennis Cantor goes on Twitter and says that the referee is now the king of Cleveland, which I thought was quite funny, because I don't live in Cleveland, and I am not a Cavaliers fan, and I am not a LeBron fan. So, uh, and neither am I a Gronkowski fan, for the same reason. And there are a bunch of guys all throughout sports that do that, and it's just a shame. So I'm going to start the hashtag Ref Lives Matter. I watch for that on Sunday today. Tag me in it. Tag hashtag Ref Lives Matter at me on Twitter, and then send me a picture of, of something that's going on today that you see uh, in your in your football games that you're watching today. That uh, ref lives do in fact matter.
1: Memories begin here. Memories of goals hitting the back of the net. Game winning touchdowns and of the first day of school. To help create new memories, we've given over a million dollars to local sports this year and made our prices even better on the best brands in the world. Memories begin now. You gotta go to Moe's. <laughs>
2: Overtime! Hurry up, offense with Danielle
0: McCartan. So for your 60-minute overtime, hurry up, offense in NBA news. Wednesday night, the Miami Heat at the New York Knicks, and the Knicks took that game 115 to 86. And his canter of the Knicks was the leading scorer with 22 points and 14 rebounds. Kristaps Porzingis did not practice yesterday with a sprained ankle is and is not expected to play today. At 3:30 p.m. at home versus the Orlando Magic. That game will be broadcast on the MSG Network. Yesterday afternoon, matinee featured the Atlanta Hawks at the Brooklyn Nets. Ultimately, the Hawks won 114-102. Dennis Schroeder of the Hawks was the leading scorer with 24 points and 6 assists. The next game is tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. at the Atlanta Hawks on the YES Network. In NHL news, Friday night, the Carolina Hurricanes were at the New York Rangers, and the Rangers won handedly 5-1. Uh, For the Rangers, Michael Grabner had a hat trick, while Park Harry, Paul Carey, and David Descharnes each had a goal of their own. Uh, the next game is Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. at the Pittsburgh Penguins on the NBC Sports Network. And last night, the New Jersey Devils were at the Arizona Coyotes. The Coyotes won decidedly 5-0. Five different Coyotes scored, including Derek Stepin, a former New York Ranger. Their next game, the Devils' next game, is Tuesday, 7 p.m. at the Columbus Blue Jackets on MSG+. Plus. In NFL news, last Sunday the Carolina Panthers defeated the New York, New York Jets at home, thirty-five to twenty-seven. The Jets play today at one p.m. in a little while versus the Kansas City Chiefs on CBS. And notably, Darrell Revis will not be not only be making his return to MetLife Stadium, but to the NFL in his debut with the Chiefs. Last week, the New York Giants had a bye week. Uh, uh, last night, star wide receiver Sterling Shepard got engaged to girlfriend Chanel Iman last week or last night at her home in New Jersey. Geno Smith will get the start over Eli Manning. Today's game is at 4.25 p.m. at the Oakland Raiders on Fox. And finally, in MLB news, after interviewing six candidates, the New York Yankees have selected a new manager following Joe Girardi's departure, ESPN baseball analyst and former MLB player Aaron Boone. Boone played in 54 games for the New York Yankees in 2003. I'm Danielle McCartan, and that was your 60-minute overtime, hurry-up offense.
3: Every time 4 o'clock
2: is close enough to 5, a corona gets its line. Every time vacation
1: mode doesn't need to wait for a vacation day, a corona gets its line. Every time the band goes on, and every time you take it all in.
2: Or every time you say, wow, a corona gets its line. And every time you take those off, and you decide it's time to turn off, a corona gets its line. Somebody that you used to know.
1: She turned up to cut me up. Make her look at me like a stranger and left
0: me a the soul. I so turned up
1: to stop so long.
0: So, some Jets' keys to the game today. One, two, and three for the Jets. Jets need to win the fourth quarter. They have been outscored by 66 points in the fourth quarter of this season. This team is known for committing senseless penalties, giving up costly turnovers, and just absolutely collapsing defensively, especially in the fourth quarter. In the last five games, they have blown three fourth quarter leads. Going into today's game against the Chiefs, the Jets have been practicing finishing strong at practice. Bowles, Coach Todd Bowles, has restructured practice to emulate the pressure of the fourth quarter as best as he possibly could. And that's something I always do as a quarterback, as a quarterback. That's something I always do as a coach, is try to emulate the pressure situations as best as I can in practice. Um, I love it. It's called pressure serving. The kids hate it because it puts the pressure on them to serve. But guess what? It makes them better. Diamonds are created under pressure. I always remind them of that. Uh, Two. Just need to capitalize on the Chiefs' struggling offense. After starting off the season 5-0, and the Chiefs have lost five of their last six games, and they are absolutely reeling. Alex Smith has been struggling of late, which has produced calls for Patrick Mahomes to come in, their, their new draftee from last uh, year's class. Alex Smith has thrown four interceptions over the past three games after not throwing a single one in the first eight. I think, in my opinion if the Chiefs are losing at halftime today, I do think that we are going to see Austin Mahomes make make an appearance today. The Jets are 10th in the league with 17 forced turnovers, and this is a game for the defense to step up for the Jets. And finally, the third and final uh, key for the Jets is to book a ticket on Rivas' corner to see if it's still Rivas' island. Two weeks ago, Darrell Rivas signed a two-year, $11 million contract with the Chiefs after being a free agent. Revis, who's uh, 32 years old, has started 140 games over the course of 10 seasons with the Jets, the Bucks, the Patriots, and now the Chiefs. Revis has reportedly lost weight. He's in better shape than he was during his second stint with the Jets. We'll see. And uh, Marcus Peters, on the other side, is, uh, is one of the best corners in the league. So I think the Jets go after Revis to see how much more he has left in him because he uh, definitely was on a downturn when he left the Jets not long ago. Some Chiefs' keys to victory. Number one, a very strong offensive line. Steve McClendon, Leonard Williams, and Muhammad Wilkinson for the Jets are going to have not an easy assignment today to go up against that offensive line. Uh, The teams that have been successful against the Chiefs or against the Jets have been able to protect their quarterback. So, with Alex Smith struggling and sacked 27 times this season, it's very important for the offensive line to give him as much time as possible in the pocket. If the Jets can't get past the O-line, it's going to force them to bring quarterback pressure from their safety safeties in Jamal Adams and Marcus May, rookies, and which obviously is going to open up the pass game in, in the second shelf, the second level of defense. So Jets need McClendon, Williams, and Wilkinson to very much step up today, or else it's going to be a long, tiresome day for their, their defensive unit. Chiefs need to get to Josh McCown. Well, the guy is, like I said, every week he's having a renaissance season. He's uh, putting up his best statistical year ever. And the Jets' offensive line has been a weak spot uh, in on this team. He's been sacked 35 times, which is a lot because it's tied for third most in all of football. Imagine if the guy had a little bit more time to throw the ball. Imagine. The Chiefs have 21 sacks on the season. They're 25th in the league, which is not the best. you got to look for nose tackle Benny Logan. Uh, defensive end Alan Bailey and defensive end Chris Jones to bring the pressure on Josh McCown today. And third and finally, Tyreek Hill is going to be an X-Factor in the game today because he's matched up against cornerback Buster Screen. Tyreek Hill is uh, ranked 13th in the league in reception yards with 726. you got to look for him to blow past Screen uh, in coverage. Screen is uh, known to get handsy with opponents, when he and then he draws the flag, especially in costly moments of each game. Uh, there was a sports science episode of the speed of Tyreek Hill, and it was put to the test. He he reached a top speed of 22.3 miles per hour during a 20-yard dash. That's like a car. A car can't even go that fast. <laughs> so um, Buster Screen is going to be blown by in coverage today. He's going to not be able to handle the speed of Hill, and that's going to be force him to play from behind the ball and inevitably commit some very costly DPI's, defensive pass interference calls. You're going to look for Eric, Alex Smith to target Tyree Kill in all four quarters of the game, either you're seeking a big play or the penalty flag against screen. Um, and like I said, if, if the Chiefs are down against the lowly Jets at, at halftime, I do think that you see Patrick Mahomes enter the game today. My um, score prediction, the Jets are going to have another epic fourth-quarter collapse. They're going to lose the game. Chiefs are going to have 20 21 points. Jets are going to have 17 points. Chiefs win, Jets lose. And Mahomes makes an appearance today. <laughs> Tia Olegi dropped a career-high 22 points as the Princeton Tigers defeated the Delaware Blue Hens 78-60 at Jadwin Gym Saturday evening. Last night, that's where I was, being the sideline reporter at that game. Uh, The senior captain was a sparkling 8-of-12 from the floor, which is 66.7%, which is awesome. Carly Littlefield added 15 points, 4 steals, and 3 assists. Leslie Robinson recorded a double-double of 14 points and 10 rebounds in the win. The coolest play happened, though. Uh, this is Carly Littlefield executed this play. It was underneath the basket. She was inbounding the ball. Uh, and, you know, all of her options were covered. And the defense, she noticed that the defense, and she's a Princeton player here, she was smart enough to know that the defense wasn't paying any attention to where the ball was going, really, or her, or where she was going to be throwing the ball. So Littlefield... And they tried to get this on the, the um, get it trending to go on to Sports Center last night, top plays of uh, the, the night or whatever. But Littlefield inbounded the ball and it hit the defender in the lower back. She stepped inbounds, picked up the ball, and shot a, a, an easy layup. Unfortunately, there was a foul on the play, et cetera. But, I mean, that was just a heads up play by a Carly Littlefield. To, to notice that they are not paying attention to her or where the ball was going. They were so preoccupied with, with, with the four girls that were going to be receiving the ball. Littlefield just took it upon herself. That was amazing. And I did speak with her after the game about that. And here's what she had to say. I just saw the players originally supposed to go to Bella. And I saw when they threw that double team on her, I saw they were both focused on Bella. So I just thought to get the attention kind of off of that, they were leaving that wide open. So I just went for it. I did a lot in high school. So So I just tried it here. I was going to say, is that something you practiced or have done in the past? I did it a few times in high school, so, yeah. So that was was, uh, interesting from last night. I enjoy doing this, uh, and I will receive the file from Princeton shortly. If not today, definitely tomorrow. I'll do my best to get that up, my reel, my little reel up as fast as possible, so you guys can stay tuned to my YouTube channel for that. Color Rush, Traveling. And fashion with a very newly engaged New York Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepherd those were the topics of my one-on-one interview with him now
1: I'm Danielle McCartan here at the wide receiver factory in, in Carlstadt, New Jersey with New
0: York Jets wide receiver New York Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepherd um, he's a great sport out here supporting Brandon Marshall in his camp um, what is it like for you to come out here and teach these kids stuff about football Especially, specifically wide receivers
1: no it's great I mean you got a lot of guys that respect the craft and uh, want to learn a little bit more. I love, the guy, I love to have guys that like to learn, so uh, whatever we can do, hopefully they, they can implement that into their game. Um, but, you know, I'm just supporting Brandon and uh, having a little fun. As soon as you
0: heard that he's coming to the Giants, what was your first
1: talk? Oh, it's happy, I mean, we had no guy, I think, over six foot. I mean, we did, but uh, not a big presence like him, and uh, to have him in the green zone, I think that's where we struggled a lot, so uh, to have him there, it's gonna it's going agree some matchups, um, some mismatches, and uh, gonna help us out a little bit. What do you
0: hope to learn from him, and what do you hope to teach him?
1: Uh, he's been in the game a lot of t- uh, a long time, so uh, he had, he's been teaching me a lot so far. Uh, just different releases to use and uh, different hand techniques. Um, so great to, great to have a guy like that with you. And, uh, for me, what I'm teaching him, a little bit of swag. You know what oh, I mean? okay. got, we gotta we got teach him how to cut up <laughs> in the end zone and everything, so uh, I think that's the thing for He knows everything about
0: the game. So, uh, actually, do you have any new touchdown dances planned since they've loosened the rules a
1: little bit? No, not yet. I mean, but we'll think of something. We'll think of something <laughs> All right, now you
0: have been doing a lot of traveling uh, yeah. Miami, Victoria Falls, all over. Where's the next place you want to visit? Um.
1: My girlfriend and I were talking about it, I don't know, we, I think we want to go to like Fiji or something like that. Nice. Yeah, we've been to Maldives, so and that, that was beautiful, so I think that's the next stop, um, uh, Fiji. I'm
0: an Italian teacher by day. Do you speak any other languages? No, I don't. Oh, you gotta learn. Yeah, no, I to... uh, And fashion seems to always be important to you. Your fashion game. You're always uh, uh, endorsing all these new lines and stuff. What is that like for you to be so involved in like the pop culture? I guess Oh
1: uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. And uh, I've always had guys um, like Odell. Have, uh, Brandon, you have Brandon, and you have Victor Cruz. Those are the guys that, that are in the fashion game, so have taught me a lot about that as well. And then my girlfriend, the So I'm, I'm it constantly go, around go, it. and It's kind of hard to get away from it. Um, so I just kind of embraced it and, um, you know, just try to try to learn a little bit more every day about it. You're uh,
0: fond of You're the Color back. Rush uniforms?
1: The Color Rush uniforms, I think they could be better. Okay. But, I mean, uh, I, I love the all-white. We love wearing all-white. We've actually gotten fined a few times for wearing it. So okay. We were supposed to. I'll
0: pass it on to Joe Skiba. What's one thing you want to improve upon for the color
1: rush? I want to do an all red uni In instead of red. all white.
0: Okay, I'll tell him. You got tell it. Them. All right. I don't all want right. to keep it too long. I'm Daniel McCartan, Sterling Shepherd. Thank you and have a great team. Thank you, you. your Giants. Appreciate right. it. Thanks for spending your Sunday morning with me. Enjoy Football Sunday. I'll see you next Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Sharp. Uh, You can follow my work this week. In the meantime, on ProSportsRundown.com, Twitter, at Coach M C C A R T A N, YouTube, search Coach Space McCartan, SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan, On Demand, iTunes Podcast, Coach McCartan, TuneIn Radio, type in 60-minute overtime, Play.Google.com, you're going to search Coach McCartan with no space. And uh, I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining me. Follow me on Twitter, at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.